Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Metroscope, an Intercom Radio Portland public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. Did you know that memory loss and dementia are not a normal part of the aging process? Let's talk about that this time on Metroscope. On the show this time, I would like to welcome Kara Griffey. Kara is with the Oregon and Southwest Washington chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. Hey there, Kara. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks Good. for coming in. Thanks for having us. We're excited. So let's talk about the Alzheimer's Association and in particular, the Oregon and Southwest Washington chapter. What do you guys do? Sure. Well, so the Alzheimer's Association, we're the leading voluntary health organization for Alzheimer's care, support, and research. And locally, we have five offices that serve the entire state of Oregon and up into Clark County in southwest Washington. And we're here to provide programs and support for those living with Alzheimer's disease, their families, and then with our counterparts across the country, we're able to fund research and hopefully find a cure. That's awesome. That's big work. It is. It's very big work, and we're committed. Can we talk about Alzheimer's, too? What? Give me an, a general overview of what Alzheimer's is. Sure. So Alzheimer's, to put things in perspective, it's the sixth leading cause of death in the United States. It is a fatal disease, and it's the only disease in the top 10 killing diseases that cannot be cured, slowed in its progression, or changes in the de- disease cannot be made. So it affects locally about 67,000 Oregonians, and we are wanting to help all of those people. That's a, that's a huge number. Yes. So tell me, what's the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? That's an awesome question. We get asked this a lot. So dementia is actually an overall umbrella term that we use to describe cognitive impairment. And Alzheimer's disease is the most common form of dementia. So there's different forms of dementia, Alzheimer's being the most common. And so you almost like compare it to saying the word food, but under food, you have fruits and vegetables. So when people are saying the word dementia, they're really just describing that overall cognitive impairment. Is Alzheimer's and dementia in general, is uh, is that a disease that's on the rise? It is on the rise. Our population in the U- United States and elsewhere actually is aging. And so age is the leading risk factor for developing Alzheimer's. So because of that, this disease is on the increase and it's on the rise. And so that's even more of a reason that the association wants to let people know that we're here to help them and support them through this time. Do we know if Alzheimer's has been a condition that's been around forever? It's been around for many, many years. And what's really interesting about where we are today in terms of research and the organization and the public's view on it is that we know so much more about it than we did even 10 years ago. And so I think people are starting to hear about it a lot more as we get better with our diagnostic tools, as physicians learn more about it, and as the general public is really talking about it. But it's been around a long time. And I think previously people have talked about it more like it was a normal part of aging, whereas now we know that it's not a normal part of aging. So the conversations are much more involved than they used to be. So it's not a normal part of aging. It is not. Explain that. Yes. So sometimes people think that 
you should just expect these changes in the brain. And while it's true that our brains do change with age to the level they do with a disease as dementia or Alzheimer's, um, that's not normal. There's nothing normal about the brain actually losing brain cells and those brain cells dying and being able to not communicate with each other anymore. So we really want to get the message out there that it is fatal and that it's important to discuss and elevate people's understanding about it. Yeah, but I, I'm thinking like grandma's a little forgetful. Right, exactly. Definitely. So is that a sign? Well, let's talk about the signs. Yeah, for sure. I think the most important things with the signs, and we uh, do a great program called Know the Ten Warning Signs. And in those signs, one of the ones we discuss the most is that memory impairment causes problems in your daily living. And so that's a really important one because if you have regularly scheduled appointments that you've had for numbers of years, like you go to church every week and suddenly you don't remember to have that appointment or you find yourself driving to the grocery store and you can't remember how to get back home. So these changes are really interfering with your daily life. It's so much more than just forgetting where you place your keys. I do that several times yeah, a day. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you have any reason to be concerned. Another thing would be big changes in mood or personality. So if you've always been, you know, a quiet type of a person and you're noticing that someone you love is taking a major change in how they're acting or behaving, that can be a sign. And so with the 10 signs, I encourage people to look at our website, alls.org slash 10 signs and really learn more. But a lot of it is the totality of all of those signs. And if people are concerned or they're looking at those and think, gosh, I know someone who has multiples of these or myself, I'm worried about myself, definitely take that list show it to your doctor and let them help direct you with what the next steps could be if you're concerned. Do we know if Alzheimer's is hereditary? That's a great question. So what we do know about Alzheimer's is that there are genes that are risk genes, which means it elevates your likelihood to develop the disease. But it doesn't mean that you definitely will develop Alzheimer's. So you could have an immediate family member who has the disease, but not necessarily that doesn't mean you will develop the disease, but having a risk gene would increase your likelihood. Do we know any of the causes? You know, we can't definitively say what does or does not cause Alzheimer's. And so I think that's why research and really understanding where we are with the disease is so important so we can figure out what causes it so that we can ultimately find a cure. We do know there are risk factors, and as mentioned, Aging is a number one risk factor. There's not a <laughs> lot. Really we, help that yeah, <laughs> we can't really help aging, but there's also some lifestyle factors that we can help to lower our risk and reduce that. So things like sleeping, staying socially engaged, uh, having balanced nutrition, all of those types of things we know can help lower the risk. Generally being a healthy person? Yes, always a good always a good plan. So and if people need an excuse to sleep more, that's one <laughs> that always is interesting to me that sleep is when our brain can shut off, repair itself, and so that can be something important for people too. It's interesting, as you said earlier, that this is a disease that we're kind of flying blind, right? 
Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of great research being done. And in fact, last week, our Alzheimer's Association International Conference was taking place and researchers from across the globe come together to really learn about what this disease is, what it isn't, and we're making really good progress in trying to figure those key pieces out. And it, this was a huge conference, right? This was a huge conference. Yeah, it took place last week in LA. And just to kind of give you a big picture, there were over 5,000 researchers from 60 countries that came together to discuss the latest and greatest in Alzheimer's research. And it's wonderful that the association provides this international platform so that scientists can come together and have that conversation so that we're not isolated in our research, that we're coming together, we're mobilizing the science world to be able to discuss these things. And what was really neat about that conference and uh, more specifically, was that 25 researchers were from Oregon. So oh, our wow. own state was represented in this. So it was really exciting. Well, and is Alzheimer's a, a pretty prevalent condition throughout the world? It is. We know that it's not only a growing concern in the United States, but across the globe. And it's actually on the rise in other countries where aging, like the, the population is aging. And is that the main reason why we're seeing Alzheimer's on the rise is because of an aging population? That's a great question. You know, I think that is a huge contributor to it is that we are an aging population. We're aging up into a bracket where we are likely to develop the disease. And so that is making those numbers go on the rise. But I think as the public is learning more about it, again, as our diagnostic tools become better, as we're talking about Alzheimer's disease as not a normal part of aging and the public's more interested in having that conversation earlier with their doctors and moving forward and asking for diagnostic tools and having those conversations, I think we're also discussing it more. So the increase is part of, partially due to that as well. And we're seeing some younger onset too, is that correct? Yeah, there's a small percentage of the population who has what we call younger onset Alzheimer's. And that's when you can see symptoms starting prior to the age of 65. And that's in more rare instances, but it does affect younger people. Are there tests that c can be done to, to see if you have Alzheimer's or any of the risk factors? So if people are concerned about having Alzheimer's or another form of dementia, uh, doctors, their primary care physician would take them through that next step. But there's different diagnostic tools they can look at. It might include a full medical exam. It might include a brain scan and other various tests they can do to detect cognitive decline, as well as making sure that it's not something else. There's things that can mimic Alzheimer's or memory impairment, something like a urinary tract infection or depression or something else. So there are things that they would want to rule out as well. well. At what point should we seek a physician's help? I would say, you know, really look at those know the 10 signs and familiarize yourself with them. And if you're concerned about yourself or a loved one, and again, these things are disrupting your daily life and you're really struggling to just make it through your regular work day, your regular day with your family and your grandkids and you're doing all the things you've normally done and you're just feeling a little off, do not hesitate to reach out for, for help sooner. We're really uh, proponents of early diagnosis and getting that tested and providing people with resources sooner rather than later so that we as an association can help them navigate that disease process and make sure they're not alone in that. I would imagine at, at the point where you start feeling like you're getting a little forgetful, mm -hmm. it also might be kind of embarrassing. 
Right. And so how do you move forward? What do you suggest that people, how do they move forward with that and kind of get over being embarrassed about it? Because it's, I'm yeah, sure that happens. It does. I think there's still so much stigma about this disease mm-hmm. when we look at where Alzheimer's disease now versus where cancer was in the 60s or AIDS was in the 80s. There's still so much stigma around it and people can feel very embarrassed. And so I think, one, making sure that we as a community are willing to talk about it and make it not so isolating for people living with this disease. And just starting with a family member or, again, taking it to your primary care physician and talking to them about it, having specific examples. And we also have a 24-7 helpline that people can call our association, talk to master's level clinicians who can really help them guide that path of if they're concerned, but they are embarrassed and how to start that conversation, how to have that conversation, maybe even what to look for to take to your doctor if that's the route somebody goes. And what about uh, somebody in your life that's maybe starting to see some symptoms or, or some warning signs? How, how can they help? I would say the same thing, you know, getting connected early, calling our helpline, making sure that there, getting their questions answered, and then having the association guide them through what information they can collect to take to a doctor or even take their concerns to that loved one. We're talking today with Kara Griffey. Kara is with the Alzheimer's Association, the specifically the Oregon and Southwest Washington chapter. And also you are the walk director. Yes. So there must be a walk coming up. There is a walk. <laughs> Let's talk <laughs> about the walk because this is a good way for people to help out, right? Yeah, definitely. So the Walk to Alzheimer's, it's the world's largest event to raise funds for Alzheimer's awareness, but also raise funds for the cause. And so people can get involved by starting a team. It's really easy. They just visit alz.org slash walk and they can recruit their friends, their family, their neighbors, their kids, everyone they know basically (laughs) and get them out to walk day the walk itself is just such a fun day the community comes together and it really shows our commitment to the people living with this disease their family members and honoring the people who have passed from the disease but really painting that vision of a world without alzheimer's and what that could potentially look like and know that we could be that group of people that help do that so it's a time of hope it's a time of celebrating all we've accomplished in the disease as far as research and advocacy advocacy and recognizing that there's still work to be done. And so Mm -hmm. it's a great day. There's live music. There's, of course, food and it's family friendly. And we have two events coming up in the Portland metro area. Okay. Well, when are those? Yeah. So the Portland Walk is taking place on August 24th and it will be at the Rose Quarter Commons. And then on September 8th, we have the Vancouver Walk, and that will take place at Esther Short Park. And people can, again, go online at alz.org slash walk and register for the walk that is local to them and start their teams. And we make it really easy for them to fundraise and give them some great information about how they can help be advocates and spread the word about Alzheimer's. What are some good ways to fundraise for this? How, how, what do you suggest to people? Oh, people. People do all kinds of things. I always say the word fun is in fundraise. (laughs) So keeping it really interesting and keeping it to what your likes are. So if you have a favorite restaurant that you and your family go to, it would be really easy to ask that restaurant owner, hey, could you do a give back night where part of the proceeds go to our walk team? Or if you are on social media, we have a lot of great fundraise with Facebook tools that people can raise money through asking their friends. So that online presence is really helpful. I've seen things like car washes, bake sales. If you can 
put some purple with it, we can make it a fundraiser. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I have seen that. It, your website is just covered in purple. It is. Right? That and is I, our official color. And I've seen some pictures, I think maybe a, a television commercial or something like that, of yes. just like a sea of purple walking down the, purple. down the yes. street. That was, it's, it's kind of gives you chills. It does. Yeah. It's really exciting to know that the walk has grown over the last several years and that by people continuing to participate, we're not only raising critical funds for the work we do for care support and research, but we're also elevating the cause in the community and letting people know we're not willing to back down. That's awesome. Yeah. So this is a big fundraiser that happens throughout the United States? It does. So Walk to Alzheimer's occurs in over 600 communities throughout the U.S. And so locally here in our Oregon, Southwest Washington market, we have seven events. And so those two that are coming up are um, ones local to the Portland metro area. How much money does the walk bring in? Uh, through, for our chapter, we're hoping to raise $1.2 million this year. Wow. Yes. It's fingers a, crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. Yes, everyone, all our teams, our volunteers, staff, everyone's working so hard to get the message out. And we're very excited for this walk season. Well, let's talk again a little bit about how people can get signed up and get involved in the walk. Yeah, definitely. How can they do that? They can go visit us online at alz.org slash walk. And from there, there's a website that'll come up and they just put in their zip code or they can search by their state and they can put in their information and find the local walk. There's a big button that says register and it takes them through a really easy registration process. I always like people to know that our walk does not require a registration fee and there's no fundraising minimums. We do just encourage people to make a personal donation, whatever they feel comfortable with, and then inviting their friends and family to donate as well. And then perhaps organizing a team fundraiser or an online fundraiser. If people can't do the walk, say they are busy or out of town or on vacation those days, how else can they help out the Alzheimer's Association? Great question. So for walk, you still have the option to be what we call a virtual walker. So it means you can still set up your team. You can still participate in online fundraising. It just means you won't be there physically on event day, but it's a great way to still spread the message. But then also like a lot of nonprofits, we're always looking for people to help volunteer with us. And many of the work we do with the community for our services, our support groups, our educational classes, those are all done by trained volunteers. And so if people are interested in getting involved, want to help us with our advocacy work, either by with um, work in Salem or even taking it to DC, we have those opportunities available. So whatever people are interested in, we can help them get involved. How long has the Alzheimer's Association been around? We've been around locally for over 30 years. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a, you've done a lot of good work in that amount of time. A lot of amazing work. Yes. How did you get involved? I got involved because I was a team captain, like so many of the people I work with now, back in 2009, and I had just graduated. And I remember going to my first walk, and at that point, in my knowledge about the disease, I did think it was a normal part of aging. And I remember seeing a stat sign that said, Alzheimer's disease is not a normal part of aging, and this idea that there were no survivors. And I remember in that moment, just stopping and thinking, oh my gosh, it's year 2009, and we don't have survivors of this disease, how different would it be if we did? And what would that day look like? And so when the opportunity came to actually move from more volunteer capacity to working for the association, I jumped on it. And it's such a great cause. And it's amazing to come to work and know you're making a big difference. Do we have any idea what a, a world without Alzheimer's would look like? 
Oh, it would be one amazing. Yeah. There are so many people who have worked so hard and are so deserving of that day. It's actually wonderful because on walk day, my favorite part of the walk is we have this thing called the promise garden. And so every walker picks a pinwheel flower that represents their connection to the disease, whether it's their walking in honor of someone who's passed, maybe they're currently living with the disease. But we've started to really talk about the first survivor and what the first survivor flower would look like. So we actually have a placeholder, a white flower for what that day would look like. And I just imagine it being so celebratory and this idea that there were hundreds of people, millions of people who were able to tell their stories about this. And I just think it would be an amazing day. And even from the side of how many people are affected by this, for them to know that this work has helped them and their lives and their grandkids would not have to deal with this. It would just be amazing. Certainly sounds beautiful. Yes, for sure. <laughs> We'd like to see that. Yes, day. that white flower. That's our goal is to hand that out at our walk someday. Let's talk a little bit more about um, some preventative measures we can take. Sure. So, it's, so Alzheimer's isn't part of our lives. Yeah, definitely. So we can't definitively say that anything prevents Alzheimer's disease from occurring, but We do know that there are certain lifestyle factors that can help reduce the risk of Alzheimer's. So again, just really taking care of your overall health, making sure you're exercising. Actually, some of the research that came out from our international conference suggested that there's a correlation with smoking and development of cognitive impairment. So making sure we're reducing our risks through something like that, getting enough sleep, staying socially active as we age. I think that's a really important thing. And sometimes we forget that it's important for us to continue to have relationships and invest in time to learn things and meet new people. So that can be very helpful. So just overall, keeping your health and wellness up to par. Yeah, keeping your mind active. I hear people yeah. like keeping doing crossword puzzles, things like that. Right, definitely. So that all helps. So if somebody is, is recently diagnosed or perhaps they're a caregiver, Going to your website is a, probably a great resource, right? The it, website is alz.org. Yes. What can they find once they get there? We have a lot of great information that they can find on the latest in research. They can find tips for caregiving, communication. And I would also encourage people to check out our local resources that are available to them. We have in-person support groups, which is an amazing resource. We have over 80 that are run across the chapter. And it's just a way for people to really connect and share their experiences. And sometimes being in the presence of someone else who's going through the same process is so helpful and they can learn so much. So our free resources, including um, the support groups. But in addition to that, we have amazing educational classes where people can learn those communication strategies. They can learn the 10 signs and they can go more into depth. And those are offered in person as well as online. And so they can find out where those are being held on our website. And then addition, Our 24-7 helpline is an amazing resource. And I always like to point out that it is truly a helpline, not a hotline. People don't need to be in a crisis situation to call our helpline. Maybe they are worried about their loved one and they're seeing some of those signs and they don't know if they should bring it bring it up to a doctor, if they should bring it up to their loved one. Maybe they just need some coaching on how to start that conversation and we can help with that. Maybe it's three in the morning and they've been up for the 10th time putting their loved one back to sleep and they're just tired and they just need a break and they're frustrated and they just want someone to listen to them. We can provide that as well. Again, it's 
it's staffed with master level clinicians and it's just an amazing resource to be able to offer our community. That is so great to have that support out there. It is definitely, especially with a disease that is so isolating and can help make people feel like there is no hope or help out there. Is a web is the website the best place to go or is there a phone number people can call or Yeah, so they can go to our website, but I also encourage people to give us a call, learn about our classes, our volunteer opportunities, our advocacy work, anything we've talked about today via our 24/7 helpline, which is 800-272-3900. And I see a big donate button on the website too. So people can help out just by going to the website and hitting the donate button. Absolutely. Let's, uh, we have about a minute left. Tell me again the dates and times and uh, place for the walks that are coming up. Sure. So we have two walks coming up in the Portland metro area. Our first one is the Portland event, and it takes place on August 24th. We'll be starting at the Rose Quarter Commons. And then our event in Vancouver is taking place on September 8th at Esther Short Park. And people can go online to alz.org slash walk and get full details about the time, how to register, and all the information. Get involved with a giant sea of purple. Absolutely. Yes. We like the purple. <laughs> Bring the purple. Put the kids in the purple. It's all about the purple. Big family event. Love yes. that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. This has been really interesting. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We've been talking today with Kara Griffey from the uh, Oregon and Southwest Washington chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. Thanks again. Thank you. Metroscope is an Intercom Radio Portland public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. If you're involved with a nonprofit or public affairs organization, or if you have an idea for an upcoming show, I'd like to hear from you. Visit MetroscopePDX.com and submit your ideas. You can also go to this station's website and submit your information there. Thanks for listening to Metroscope and enjoy the rest of your weekend.